الجزيرة بودكاست M23 fighters say they are pulling out of a town in Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. But an earlier promise to withdraw from another one was called a sham by the Congolese army. Conflict has forced many people to flee the region and a UN investigation has documented widespread human rights abuses. So what are the prospects for a lasting peace? I'm Laura Kyle and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Well, let's bring in our guests now. Jafar Al-Katanti is a reporter based in Democratic Republic of Congo, or DRC. And he joins us via Skype from Goma. Joining us from Nairobi is Jean-Mober Senga. He's a DRC researcher at Amnesty International. And Felix Endahinda, who's from DRC, is a consultant and researcher focusing on conflict, peace and justice in the Great Lakes region. He joins us from Tilburg in the Netherlands. A very warm welcome to all of you. Uh, Jafar, is the withdrawal of M23 from Roman Gabo, is it going to happen? Uh, we don't have much information on what is going in Roman Gabo, except the communication from M23 and from the East African Community Regional Force uh, that M23 is leaving the city today. But as the EAC didn't want journalists to cover the ceremony, we don't have, we still don't have much information at the moment. Maybe later we will get it. But on ground here in Goma, many people don't believe in what is going on because uh, last time in December, M23 announced his withdrawal from Kibumba mm. and the regional force accompanying, accompanied them living in Kibumba and media cover it, but then when IDPs from Kibumba decided to return back in their city, they found M23 in Kibumba. So mm. people in Goma think this is a, a joke, a half, it's somehow to joke with Congolese people. Uh, let's know the world that M23 is leaving the occupied area and for sure, they are not moving for anything. And, and Ruman, Ruman Gabo is a strategic town, isn't it? It's a military base there. And indeed, it's just one hour's drive from where you are in Goma. Yes, Ruman Gabo is important. And it's a bit far from Goma, but in the same province. And Ruman Gabo, for North Kivu, is the biggest military base. So when FRDC lost it, what was their biggest base, it was like uh, someone who lost his capital city for FRDC. And if M23 will leave Rumangabo, for sure, this will be a big news for Congolese people. And this is what Congolese people are waiting for. Mm. But they don't trust because when they said they are leaving, they leave Kibumba, they didn't leave Kibumba, as people said. Felix and Ahinda, why would M23 say that it is leaving these places at this point in time? I think there is a coalition of factors that uh, that uh, may make that happen, I guess. Uh, first, in, in recent weeks, we saw uh, images uh, of Congolese officials meeting with officials of uh, the M23, and something that had been most of the time advertised as something that would not happen, M23 having been framed as a terrorist group and so on. But we see Congolese official 
army commanders and meeting with M23 involved in some negotiations which have been kept more or less uh, secretive. Now, and we know that this was more uh, advertised by M23 rather than the official Congolese government. Now, the other part is, of course, we have already the presence of the regional force through the East African community uh, force, which are there to monitor, but also representing some kind of pressure, even if they are not being yet forcefully operational. And third, of course, we saw quite a number of pressures indeed, uh, uh, in recent uh, condemnations by quite a number of Western countries, uh, especially towards Rwanda as uh, supporting M23. So quite a number of coalition of factors that may mean that probably that withdrawal might end up happening. It might not necessarily be today. Mm. But with that in mind, we keep this in mind, the fact that uh, Rumangabo is one place, but the territory that M23 still occupies is quite large. And if I remember quite very well, and my colleagues probably can, can, can uh, count on that, but if I remember correctly, Rumangaba was occupied as after an initial attack by, by the Congolese army, which was trying to, 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 to take over uh, territories occupied by, by, by a counteroffensive, territories occupied by M23, but that, that counteroffensive counter failed. So in that sense, M23, I, th I think, was also already stretched and I doubt whether it had the capacity to, to occupy all of that territory. Jean-Mu, mm. uh, whether or not M23 actually withdraws from these areas, we must bear in mind, mustn't we, that they have been defeated before and they have lain dormant only to re-emerge again. What's to say that's not going to repeat? Yeah, that's actually the, a good question. Um, Ten years ago, um, M23 captured Goma, um, and then they withdrew from Goma, from the town of Goma, uh, before they were uh, attacked and, and, and defeated militarily uh, from um, uh, other towns uh, around Goma. So whether they withdraw uh, or don't withdraw uh, from Rumangabo and Kibumba, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, why did they capture these towns in first place? So what has been solved? They have been calling for negotiations, direct uh, negotiations with the DRC government, which continues to refuse to sit down with them. Uh, the Luanda communique, um, which, is, uh, which M23 says is implementing uh, by withdrawing from these towns, uh, said they should go back to the areas uh, around the border with Rwanda where uh, they were based uh, by November 2021. Mm. Um, and under that condition, the Congolese government may consider uh, um, engaging in talks with them. So uh, we are still far from there because while they are withdrawing uh, from the outskirts, uh, outskirts of Goma, they are also capturing new cities and new towns um, in the north um, near the border with Uganda. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, the question is really addressing the causes uh, of, of uh, M23 and other armed groups in Eastern DRC. And so far we are still extremely away from, from that objective. And these causes include, uh, on, uh, from our perspective, the necessity to address um, the endemic impunity uh, mm. for uh, crimes committed in DRC over the past 26 years. Um, but also making the DDR program, the, dis the disarmament and the demobilization program work 
um, and also addressing um, other concerns, including uh, local um, uh, governance of land, nat natural resources, identity, and other uh, and other issues. So as long as these issues will not have been addressed, they might uh, withdraw, but they could actually come back uh, later on. Mm. Uh, Jean Maubert, you, you bring up an awful lot of uh, points there. Let's act, uh, uh, let's uh, pick up the point of impunity. Uh, Jafar, hundreds of thousands of people have been displaced by this latest fighting, horrific reports of rape, of slaughter, but this is abuse that people have suffered in this area for decades. Why do these crimes happen with impunity? Ah, it's a very complicated situation because, uh, you know, first, DRC has uh, ethnic problems since long time, and all ethnic group has its own militia, and they call it a protective local defense force. So M23 as a rebellion, which is supported by Rwanda, as what Congolese army say, is an enemy of all militia in the region. So uh, there is not, if I can a bit come back, many people talk about uh, coalition of government, uh, government soldiers and militias. That coalition doesn't exist, but there, there are some militias which are called local defense militias who are fighting against M23 to, to protect their own communities. What is not a good thing because uh, FRDC won't manage to fight against M23 and against militias. And one more thing, you know, uh, this situation is also uh, becoming complicated to the Congolese government because uh, during the Nairobi talks, all militia was invited, such as uh, Nyantura and Mai Mai group, but M23 didn't attend. Mm. And I think that this withdrawal is a way to push the government of DRC to a negotiation a negotiation table with M23 because they still fighting in other cities like yesterday they took the control of Nyamirima and the day before yesterday M23 was fighting in Kisharu so they are fighting in other places and they are leaving some other places okay. so I think this is a technique of M23 to call the government of Kinshasa to negotiate with them. OK. It also seems to be quite effective at not allowing the central government to take control in eastern DRC. And I wonder, Felix, if that is part of the problem here. The government in Kinshasa is so far away and it simply doesn't have control over this region. It's imposed a state of siege since May 2021, a state of emergency, in effect, and yet... It still hasn't brought the situation under control, Felix. I mean, every, every kind of rational analyst knows that many of the problems you have been discussing now, but also that we have been discussing about the DRC over the last more than 20 years, have really to do with the weakness of Congolese institutions, including the central government in the first place, but also the, the, the local government kind of units at the provincial and even uh, lower levels. The fact of the matter remains that 
you have all of these troubles, M23 or the 100 plus other armed groups that uh, my colleagues already talked about and you alluded to as well. We have this because of the void that created by the state, which is has been simply incapable of exerting that monopoly of violence that we know is, uh, is, uh, is the prerogative of the state. Beyond the, the monopoly of violence, of course, is that the state has just been really pretty much at the center, and even at the center is quite very kind of weak and involved in interesting kind of struggles. And the, much of the, the, the Kivus really has constituted the peripheries. And they have been the peripheries, not only even in the, in the last 20 years, but when I look into academic kind of work that I use in my own work, it's even before under the late years of the Mobutu era. So because of this absence of state, of course, as the last speaker just said, you have the proliferation of these armed groups which mm. fill the void. And unlike him, I like a little bit to contradict some of the points that he has made. There is a lot of independent reports that have documented how the government on and door for either as a policy or individual kind of uh, members of kind of sort of mafia within even the army do supply weapons and sometimes intervene in collaboration with some of the armed groups mm. because there are certain given narratives also that function. For example, th th there is this issue that uh, Jean Maubert mentioned about identity issues about autochtones and allochtones, people who belong, who do not belong. Those are prominent narratives in North and South Kivu. And we know now it has been denounced by the UN. A lot of Kinyarwanda speaking population are all kind of uh, summed together as being M23 and they have to be shipped out of the country. There have been quite a lot of acts of targeting specific communities, even if members of other communities suffer in all of this prevailing chaos. So with that in mind, the state really has been a part of really the problem of being unable to exert power, exert control, mm. and have institutions in place which do okay. the basic function okay. of the state, so, uh, equal protection, equal rights, and equal, so, equal, let's say, prerogatives. And, yeah, so, Jean-Maubert, Jean to, to throw into that mix, the East Africa community is now going to send a regional force with troops coming from various other countries. Is that a good idea? So, is it a good idea or a bad idea? Uh, um, I wouldn't be able to answer that question, uh, at least from our perspective as a human rights organization. Um, but uh, it is clear that there is no military response uh, to, the, to the situation in Eastern DRC. The problem in Eastern DRC is preliminarily uh, political mm. and uh, also, you know, as I said, in terms of human rights, you know, addressing impunity, which concerns uh, many people in DRC, but others also in the region, in Rwanda, in Burundi, in Uganda and other countries that have been involved in the conflict in Eastern DRC, in, uh, in the DRC for the last uh, three decades. Um, so um, the problem uh, being political, it should also be addressed politically. But this doesn't mean these endless and useless talks like the what we saw in Nairobi uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, which seems like a joke. Um, it has to be serious, you know, identifying the real problems and uh, deal, uh, dealing with them appropriate, um, uh, in, a, in an effective way. Uh, because uh, in the past we have seen political agreements uh, signed, sometimes guaranteeing impunity for these criminals, and that has not allowed the situation to improve neither. So while the, situ the solution should be political mainly, uh, 
um, um, the, the, it, it, sh it should also be taken more seriously, uh, drawing lessons from the failures of the past. Now, on the military side, it's uh, the state's prerogative to use military force uh, and even to invite um, you know, foreign countries to intervene. But our only demand as a human rights organization is that any use of force should uh, be done um, in, um, uh, in alignment with uh, international law. So whether it is the Congolese army of, or M23 or the Eastern African Community Regional Force or even the UN uh, peacekeeping mission, they all should abide by the international law uh, and prioritize protection of civilians. Mm, absolutely. And on that note, Jafar, uh, we haven't really touched on the UN peacekeeping mission at MUNASCO. It's been there since 1999. It's one of the world's largest and most expensive missions. Why has it failed to keep the peace? Uh, the UN mission... I think they failed uh, because they changed many times their mandates, but nothing was done uh, for sure for the population. For example, uh, in 18, in 1998, when MONUSCO came, there was fewer than 100 armed groups in DRC, mm. but nowadays we have hundreds and more groups just in the eastern part of the RC. And as now people uh, have a mistrust of UN, I don't think they can succeed anymore because no one likes them in Eastern Congo. If you talk with local people, you see that they all don't believe on UN. And I don't think they can succeed when locals doesn't trust in them. And now with the East African Regional Force, if their mandate was a bit different than what they have, because as said Mobel, uh, since they came, there is not anything of military engagement from the East African Community Regional Force. And all locals of DRC was expecting on that, because when coming, uh, people of Eastern Congo thought that they come to fight, to engage against M23 and okay. other rebel groups. But okay. now they are talking and not fighting. And at the same moment, fighting still ongoing in other regions, in other territories and other provinces. And so the, I think Jafar, we do have to leave our discussion today. Apologies for interrupting you there, but we have run out of time. Jafar Al-Katanti, Jean Mobersenga and Felix Ndahinda, thank you all very much for joining us today. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Nihad Alabedi, Michael Harwood and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Sasha Andrejevic. The programme was edited by Manish Mathai, Lynn Nguyen and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening and tune in on Friday for our next episode.